Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Welcome to the Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from other high-quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alice from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co-hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts. I'm going to start it off a little bit different today. Uh, Alex is not with us today. He's uh, He came down under the weather a little bit, and he said he felt really, really bad. So he's taking the night off, and I'm here with our two guests. We got two guests, so we still got the threesome going on. We got primary jump master, and then we got Mr. Yep. Shad Bird. How y'all fellas doing tonight? Oh, I'm surviving. Good. He's got off to the water. Nice. How about you, Shad? Did you get off the water too? No, I got off work. Got to work. Unlike uh, <laughs> old jump master. Hey, I got you. I got you. Well, y'all, welcome to another Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from quality podcast content. And tonight, we're going to aim to create really, really bad content for y'all to listen to and enjoy. And so, we're going to roll with that. All right, fellas. We are here tonight to talk about some some co-angler fishing and some stories that y'all have about your fishing journeys and fishing together, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we got the stories. That's for sure. (laughs) All right, Primary, this is your second time on the podcast. I was not here for that one. I can't remember where I was or what happened. Something came up. It's one of the few I've missed. Uh, so I wasn't here, so I didn't I didn't get a chance to to live that debauchery. But uh, yeah. introduce yourself to the folks that that might not know who you are. Yeah, uh, primary jump master on TikTok. I don't really Facebook much anymore, but I stay on the TikTok. TikTok, uh, I love TikTok. Yep, I'm on the TikTok hard too, man. There's just something about that like one minute content that's golden. Um, and what brought me here tonight is. Uh, I might only talk shit on the Bass and Brews TikTok, but I do read the comments, <laughs> and everybody was like, let's hear about some co-angling. And that's where I found this raggedy-ass guest right here, Shad Bird. He was my travel partner when we fished BFLs. He cashed some checks off of the back of the boat. Mm. Um, granted, it's not hard in Ohio. All you got to do is catch one fish, and you can cash a check. <laughs> but... He's got a lot of experience from fishing off the back of the boat, so that's why I got him in here tonight. Mm. That's good because that's a unique. You gotta work. What'd you say? Oh, she yeah. got... I said you got to work for that one fish. That one pounder never felt so good in your life as in Ohio. <laughs> he ain't lying. <laughs> Well, there's an art to fishing off of the back of the boat and being consistent with it too, because you're getting second dibs at everything, and 
you know, your ass might be pointed out in the middle of the lake where they're fishing docks or, you know, target fishing stuff. So it's really, I'm interested to see how you've created success off the back of the boat, but we'll get into that. Introduce yourself there, Shad Bird. Well, I got the nickname Shad Bird because this fool here, everybody he meets, he gives a nickname to. And I found this out. I'm coming up with my own nickname because I don't want to know what he he comes up with. So, Chad Bird is, and uh, I, me and him met online looking for a co-angler, and that's how we kind of hooked up. I got you. Go ahead and hit that uh, hit your uh, cam button there, Chad. Yeah. He, so. That story about him not having a phone until he fished FLW, that's true. That guy does not do technology. <laughs> so we so linked did... up on Facebook. Okay. I, I went on a Facebook FLW page and was like, hey, I'm going to travel all the way to Ohio and fish the BFL circuit up there this year. I'm looking for a co-angler to reach out to me. And where, uh, oh, look, he oh, called where... – Oh, look, where were you that you looked to go to Ohio to fish the BFL? Oh, I was in Kentucky at the time. Okay. Kentucky. So it was still a drive. So we're still looking at four to five hours for an event, but it was comfortable enough to where I would go do it. Mm. Um, but this guy calls me and he's like, this is my wife's phone. I don't have a phone. I'll link up with you, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And before I commit to traveling with him, I had like an hour long conversation with him on the phone. And we meet up his, at the first his event. Phone. Yeah, on his wife's phone. <laughs> and we meet up at the first event. Um, the first event, I went all out and fished probably almost a week out uh, daily. And I met him at that event. And then from there, we hooked up and traveled to each event together after that. And uh, He'd practice with me on practice days out of the back of the boat. Uh, I wouldn't trust him on the front of my boat. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how that started right there. Well, you know, Shad, you're talking about nicknames too. If if you grew up in the country, in the South, at least it's my experience growing up in the South and in the country, nope. everybody got a nickname. And your nickname might be mean. It could be funny. Uh, you know, there was something to it. But if you didn't have a nickname, it's they didn't like you. You only got a nickname if they liked you. So getting that nickname right off the bat shows shows some good camaraderie. Oh yeah, it's the same way up here. But I wasn't letting him pick mine. I had to, I had to claim that right off the bat. Was, oh, we got um, some nicknames. Go ahead and uh, go ahead. We listen, got a guy we, that named on tour, Coffee Pot. Go ahead and tell him about Coffee Pot, Shad. Coffee Pot, super nice guy, living his best life. But he'll test your patience, and if he comes up to your car, you're gonna have to end your sleeping because he'll talk your ear off hour-long conversations about you got oh, the man. stories on him yeah so coffee pot i do like to give a nickname so the very first event we ever fished uh together was on uh grand lake st mary's in ohio and you do your tournament director day where you're meeting before you get your co-angler co and they go over the rules 
and this guy comes up and he pulls up in this van with the old school paint scheme on the side. It's got the cactus, <laughs> the bubble window. And uh, nice. he starts going on about a coffee pot. And he's like, yeah, I, I make coffee in the van. So if you're ever out here, I got coffee in the van. So I started calling <laughs> the guy coffee pot from then on. Is We've it had, good coffee? We, oh, no, I wouldn't even try it. <laughs> But smelling that van, I wouldn't try anything that come out of a van. Oh, Is there ever good coffee in a van? I don't know. Down by the river, maybe. Was was he like Uncle Rico in his van? Oh, from Napoleon that's Dynamite. The, that's the exact van. That's the exact van. That He's is. He's got a power inverter in it. He's probably living in that van. Is he towing but, a boat uh, behind it? Oh no, he he was a co-angler. Okay. Um, but this guy, he would test your patience. Nice guy. He'd probably do anything for anybody, but he's one of them ones that's like, you get locked into conversation. You got to pretend you're getting an important call or something like that. Um, Cause he'll definitely get after you after a while. Um, yeah, that's how he got the name coffee pot was uh, rolling around with a coffee pot. And he would come wake people up on practice days. At, like mm. a lot of us would sleep at the ramp and he'd go beating on trucks. Hey, y'all want some coffee? I want some coffee. And I'm like, <laughs> It's a practice day, dude. It's 4 a.m. <laughs> like, this is the day I'm asleep, and at least till there's a little bit of light. Oh, um, shit. But there's some characters on the co-angler side. Uh, you, you'll meet them out there. So did y'all, were y'all, did you get this, did you get shad every time? Were y'all, was it paired like that, or was it just, were you drawing, drawing boats and names? Yeah, no, so you don't no. get to pick your co-angler. Uh, okay. It's a text message, so well, it's MLF now, but it used to be FLW. Mm-hmm. But MLF will send you a text prior to, um, and that's the big things with the co-anglers. You're not picking who you're with. Mm-hmm. You may be in a John boat with somebody. You may be in a brand new bass cat. You may be fishing offshore with a guy, or skipping docks or beating a bank. You don't know until takeoff the day of. But you get a text the night prior to takeoff that says, "Hey, this." So as a boater, I would get a text and it would say, hey, this is your co-angler. Here's his phone number. You call and make link up. Uh, some people will say how they're going to fish. So you can tell them, hey, we're fishing offshore rock piles. I'm doing a lot of drop shot or something. I never did that. I'm not telling them anything. Because there's guys that get burned where a co-angler, if you're like me and Shad traveling together, that co-angler is probably traveling with somebody. And after he has a conversation with me, he's telling his boater, this guy's fishing offshore here, doing this with a drop shot, and now the cat's out of the bag. Um, but that's how that works. You never, We've never got paired up for an event, but we to go practice, he would always be in the boat with me before the event right. started. Okay. I got you. So, Shad, <clears throat> what are you know, – they talk about – being power anglers and being finesse anglers and stuff like that. Do you, do you fish one way when you're off the back of the boat or are you fishing opposite of what your anglers fishing? How do you approach a tournament and fishing off the back of the boat? I approach it the same way as if I'm running the front of the boat. I won't throw the exact same thing he's throwing. Yeah, I never ask them if, hey, are we going to be fishing this or that? You could kind of get a feel. Some guys would like to talk a little more. Like, hey, we they would volunteer information. Hey, we're going to be flipping the brush. 
so I kind of knew what to get my mindset towards. But I always went at it like, you've got to fish what you got confidence in. And this worked for me in Ohio, and this is going to be different from region to region. But in Ohio, I like to power fish or like uh, power finesse fish. Not like super finesse but something something I fish in my local clubs when I'm running my own boat. Mm. And you bring a wide selection of baits as far as uh, uh, your favorite colors and your most confident bait you got. And mm-hmm. I just, I fish. They're not going to hit every spot. And if it's windy, it's kind of an advantage for you because you don't have to worry about running the boat. So mm-hmm. while he's fighting the wind, you can get in there on spots he missed and get an opportunity. You're not front seating him. Now, you will get back seated a lot, but that's the name <laughs> of the game, fishing at the back of the boat. You just spots that he's missed or he's fighting the wind and missed a spot, and you get in there a couple times and you give it you give it your best chance at it. I got you. The, what, so I've never fished. I fished team tournaments, and then um, I was in a little club years and years ago where I fished out of the back of the boat. So, you know, but it, it was different because it was a small local club. So it wasn't quite as cutthroat and there wasn't as much money and stuff on the line, yeah. especially for the, the boaters in that side. But it, it is the, there's two things and I want to dive into these. One is, is the Shad, the back boaters etiquette. What, what is and we hear a bunch of stories, mainly from from boaters talking about bad co-anglers. What what is the etiquette mindset that you have when you go in here so that you can have a you know you're not going to work together, but so y'all don't have eight hours of fishing of contentious, <laughs> hateful cool. rhetoric and bullshittery. The best is these earbuds right so, here. You can put on a Bass and Bruce podcast and don't even listen. There to we them. go. There <laughs> we go. Yeah. So, first thing, you, you get that call the day before of who you're paired up with, usually. And um, I ju- I always waited for them to call me. I didn't want to bug them. They're busy getting back already. They're worrying about the boat. So, I waited till they called me. And then you can kind of feel them out in the first five minutes. You'd be like, okay, this guy's a talker, or this guy's real to the point. He don't want to talk nothing. So I just ask you ask him where you want you want me to back the boat and all that kind of stuff, and you just feel them out. Now, I, I was lucky. I was with a, a large majority of the guys were great guys. I would fish team tournaments with them. But you, what I always did, did is I give them the gas money up front before we blast it off because I always heard horror stories. Of boaters getting shafted on gas money, like the hmm. the non-boaters would just duck out and pay them. So I figured, well, if I pay them up front, that at least puts their mind at ease. Like, hey, this guy isn't a total asshole, a total <laughs> asshole. So that's what I would pay off the bat, and I kind of let him lead the conversations as far as if he wanted to talk, I'd talk. And I'm I'm a joker, you know. I always make stupid jokes and stuff but if he wasn't the type of guy that was open to you know 
that's yeah bullshitting then i'm gonna sit back there and i ain't gonna say nothing and i don't fish but if he wanted to cut up a little bit like it's a you know a local club tournament then that's okay then but you definitely don't i didn't cast past the console like that that center mm-hmm. line in the yeah. boat like hey all my water and if he says go ahead and cast up here well i'll cast up there but i ain't gonna ask him if i can cast up there and sometimes <laughs> you'll get them where they're hugging the bank like flip to the bank it's like he's almost beating the side of his boats off off the bank and you just got to find somewhere to cast at that point whether it be out the back or you're looking you get yourself a nice set of glasses and on some of the waters in Ohio, it's all shallow. So I'm looking out the other side of the boat for like a submerged log or something he ain't hitting. Because you got to keep mm. your, your water to catch a fish, you know. So you, you got to cast somewhere. Don't just sit there and not cast if he ain't, you know, where to cast. Find something. Well, on, yeah. the, on the money That's side, what what is the expectation of non-boaters from a monetary standpoint, what what is what what should you be offering, and what should they be asking for? Uh, gas money, obviously, but you know, half or what? What is that monetary? Uh, I don't know. Side? There's no there's no written rule in it. Mo- the way I always did it, I never had co anglers give me money to start the day. But uh, like, if I had a bad day, I felt bad if they gave me gas money. Cause I felt like as a boater, I know it's not, but I felt like, man, it's kind of my responsibility to get this guy on fish. So if I weigh in five and this guy zeros at the scale, I would be like, man, don't even worry about it. Like I would just feel bad about it. But I think usually that was always around 60 bucks, 40, 60 bucks. And I think that depends on the lake you're on. Mm. If we're on Lake Erie and you're running all the way up Detroit river to St. Clair, um, I know that's not a co-angler's decision, but if you're taking a guy 93 miles one way or 93 mile round trip to catch some big smallmouth, I kind of expect him to come up with at least 60 bucks, especially if he caught mm-hmm. a good sack and made some points or whatever, maybe even got a check. Um, but if it's a bad day, I'll just, uh, man, I don't need anything because I feel bad if it's a bad day for him. So pretty much you're I looking for gas money. 40. Yeah, I think 40, 60. And you're, yeah, you're just looking for gas money that day, right? Um, mm. Now, you're not expecting them to, oh, I've been out here practicing five days. You're just looking for whatever, however many days you fished with them, that one day that you fished with them. Um, mm-hmm. But there are guys, I never got stiffed. I know guys that got stiffed to where their co-angler mm. would go way in. He would get his MLF receipt printed out, and he ran to his truck and was out of there. So there's guys <laughs> that'll do it. Um, it's never happened to me, but we've seen do it those, happen. Do those guys' names nope. start getting passed oh, around yeah. and people oh, yeah. start to understand yeah. who they are? People know. Okay. Or if there's a guy that gives out somebody's secret, um, that mm. stuff goes around like wildfire. It's oh, uh, yeah. it, it gets found out quick. And speaking of yeah. that, so that guy Coffee Pot we was talking about for a while there, 
he was a talker boy if you was on a boat with him it was something i never got <laughs> on a boat with him thank god but i was uh we were on indian lake in ohio and uh I ran up to another boater that I know, Kenny Dials, and he had coffee pot in his boat. And my co-angler threw Kenny Dials some earplugs. Hey, man, you need these earplugs. <laughs> so it kind of goes around, man. People know it, it'll go around out there. People are like, damn. It, it gets kind of wild. What are we going to say, Shad? Yeah. You, you don't want to get that bad reputation. Mm. For sure. That's that's why I wanted to build the reputation of always paying the guy and paying him up front. Win or lose, he's got his money. You know, 40 bucks. It, that was back when gas was cheaper in 2019. But you pay him, and you don't want to – if he tells you something that they're catching him on, you don't say nothing. I still got stuff that I won't tell guys – to this day, what we were fishing on down there, you don't want that reputation of going and telling somebody else's baits or their spots. You keep that mm-hmm. stuff close. You you just don't share information, especially as a non-boater. It's not your information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you're going to give waypoints. That that's that's insane. Like. I don't know. Yeah, they, sure. they, there should be some yeah. federal crime for it. It will be one day, maybe. But yeah, I'm sure if you get that kind of uh, mantra around you, your ass is probably sitting there looking at the middle of the lake, and that's about the only place you can cast to. Yeah, yeah, and they're not bad. I I never had any bad uh, yep. co anglers, but they're out there. Um, mm-hmm. Just like yeah, anything else. Interesting. Yeah, I've had some interesting ones now, but I never had any bad ones. Um, <laughs> I've had some great ones. We went and fished regional championship on Potomac River. I'd never been there. Um, the first time I went there was when official practice started for the championship. And I never fished tidal fishery. I zero on day one. I had a, a co-angler from South Carolina. He'd never been there. We zero. We catch like 400 catfish. Um, but no hmm. bass. And then day two, I was like, I need to catch like a 20-pound sack to even do anything. And I happened to get a guy that lived on Potomac River. And this guy was a co-angler. He owned a boat, but just fished as a co-angler. And he gave me all the juice. So I got behind my steering wheel, and he was like, go this way. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, we need to fish this grass line. And I'm like, this one? And we started hammering them. And I'm like, this guy is awesome. I'm not charging you gas. Like you salvaged this for me. Like it's a big deal. Like you got some real cool co-anglers. Same in Ohio. There's a bunch of them. None of them places I fished in Ohio I'd ever been to. But a lot of the co-anglers live mm. right there locally and been there. And they could hook you up. Um, but then you can get some that's like that I've had them where it looks like they bought their spinning rod and their baitcaster combo at Walmart with a sack of tackle on the way to the event and i'm like what are you doing here bro <laughs> tying granny knots and throwing yeah, half the lures and yeah. shit off yeah and that is it, it and you know that's one of the things about co-anglers too that if you if you don't fish if you don't fish these tournaments where you're getting paired with these folks there's an idea that co-anglers are people that don't know how to fish or they don't yeah. know what they're doing 
but that's not the case. I would say no. primarily most of the co-anglers are probably, as you've said, guys that are local yep. in, in these regional trails. They're local. They probably have their own boat, but for whatever reason, they can't afford or they don't want to do it or they yep. want to learn. But, you know, they, they can be an asset to you. You you just said it. They can be an asset yep. to you if you can, if, if they are from that area. I mean, there's nothing like local knowledge of a lake, especially if you've never oh, been yeah. there. But if it, them are guys that are there, like how I am here, I'm on the water every day. Them are guys that are doing that on that body of water, you know, even mm -hmm. if they're in a kayak on the side or something, he's still got way more knowledge than I got on that water. My little three days of running around there, burning gas, looking at side scan and live scope is nothing compared to living there for a lifetime fishing that place. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to use that and exploit it if you can, if they'll give up mm -hmm. that juice. That's right. Well, they probably, you know, they're not in control of the boat. So if they want to do well, then they got to put you in a position to do yeah. well also. And so it's to their benefit to, to, to give some of that up. Now on Tic Tac, it's been a while ago where I saw this and it was probably it was shortly after, um, the the opens went to qualify for the leech had to fish oh, all nine yeah. opens after yeah, after that i saw a somebody made a a, a tiktok about co-anglers should not be allowed on the opens anymore because i guess now it feels like guys are putting more into it i i don't know exactly i don't remember it was a long it was a bit a while ago when <laughs> i read this or listen to this. I, I know talking, which one you're talking about. Okay. Oklahoma, I think he was out of, or Alabama. Yeah. One of those and two. I mean, to say that they're not – a co-angler is just, just as invested as a boater, right? He's got a big entry fee. He drove there. Uh, the only thing – and a lot of times that people don't realize, them co-anglers are there as long as boaters. So me and Shad traveled together. If I'm going there to fish for four days, He's coming with me. He's spending the same amount of time on the water as I am because when I'm practicing, he's practicing. So it's not like they're not invested. Now, there are co-anglers that just show up the day of, <laughs> do the tournament meeting, and then go fish. But yep, with for the, the most part, combos. yeah. So for the most part, they're invested, though. They got just as much in it and uh, just as much to lose or gain as anybody else does. So I disagree with the whole co-anglers shouldn't be um plus it just gets people into the sport right like if you're somebody that just doesn't have a boat doesn't have the means for a boat it gets you in there so it's an important thing to keep and have i think there's two things why in where there's co-anglers there probably will continue to be co-anglers and one of them is the entity putting on that tournament is getting their entry fee Yep. So they're getting, they're getting, they ain't going to cut out half the damn entry fees. Yeah. General tires <laughs> don't want to lose that money. No. <laughs> and then the other part of it is you don't, you're not going to have marshals in these types of tournaments. And so yeah. it's also another check and balance for people yep. not doing some, some shady shit. Yeah. I don't see the co-anglers going anywhere. Nobody wants to be a marshal for primary jump master. People want to be a marshal <laughs> for Gerald Swindle. Right, like <laughs> you're not gonna pay to be a marshal for my dumb ass up there staring at a live scope for eight hours. Right, you want right. to if you're gonna pay to be a marshal, you want to be on the boat with Jacoby Wheeler or something. 
And but <laughs> there's some co-anglers out there that smash. My buddy Danny that I was talking to Alex about. Hopefully we get him on here soon. He's one and he's a fucking cheater. He should have been a boater by now. He's won the all American <laughs> two times. The guy's cashed Damn. like two hundred thousand dollars worth of checks and he's still over here showboating as a co angler. The guy's done Dang one it. probably four fucking boats and he's over here running around as a co angler. Yeah, well, no. man, he, if, if he's if he's raking it in like that and paying forty dollars in damn gas, it sounds like he's making Hell a smart no. financial he, decision. He needs to go lose his pay stub like I do every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of winning and catching fish off the back of the boat, uh, before we got started, that was one of the things that y'all were talking about, and primary was talking about on Shad. Shad, tell us tell us about your success being a, on the back of the boat. I've cashed a few checks. I I fished as co-angler back in 2019. I got second in uh, the Buckeye division. I missed it by, uh, I think it was uh, 10, 12 points out of first. And they don't give you no trophy for second place, that's for sure. That's all I wanted was a trophy. Uh-huh. Uh, I I think I got $500 in checks that year. You know, that doesn't hardly pay anything, but the experience is worth it. I just looked at it as a way to get uh, an eight hour fishing like for pretty decent price, entry fee and some games. And then I'm going to take what I learned back to the club tournaments and hopefully win some money back home. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it right there. So I ended up, yeah, so I think in 2019, it, Buckeye Division's tough. Anybody that fishes Ohio knows that, you know, I caught 10 bass all year, 10 keepers, and I mm. got second place in the Buckeye Division. It's a struggle out there, but I grew up this way, and, you know, there's a ton of good local fishermen in Ohio. They all know the struggle, and you just learn to love it. Um. That, that ain't the kind of fucking struggle I want to try to learn. <laughs> <laughs> it humbles you. I would have Ohio yeah. to the fish FLW up there. That was a uh, to this day, it's the only place that I've went in a tournament. And knock on wood, it's only happened once. It's the only place that I went to a tournament in zero. And then you just want to, you just want to get you get your boat loaded up and cry like. It's, <laughs> And that day I zero was bad. I ran out of gas on the river, trolling my oh, back. Shit. Oh man. It's the only place where you can run ninety dollar worth of gas and catch a zero fish in a day. It's it's bad. Ugh. Um, fuck. It that. hurts. That is sounds horrible. But, <laughs> but this is the other thing you like I, them guys saying that there shouldn't be co anglers in the bass open. No, and, and Shad kind of hit on it. You're getting that experience. But if you look at the rosters for the Bass Opens, you don't, you not only do you have everybody and their mama that thinks they can sling a bait caster, you still have like Gerald Swindle. You got all these big names from the elites fishing the Opens just in case they struggled on the elites. They can double qualify or qualify for the classic through the Opens. Mm -hmm. have a bad year in the elites so you're not only paying that entry fee like you can get paired up with a scott martin in one of the opens you know so you're kind of it's 
the whole like there shouldn't be co-anglers is kind of ridiculous to me. Mm. Yeah, that's worth the entry. When I fished the back, and I only fished the James River one back in 2017, but I had a chance of getting paired up with a, a pro or a semi-pro. Well, I'm going to pay entry fee and go fish what I love doing, tournament fishing. And I might get mm. paired up with somebody I could learn. It, so it's yeah. worth the money to go get the experience. And I've had a boat as long as I've had a vehicle. But I'm not taking a co-angler out on my 90-horse um boat you know and i feel like i'm handicapping them versus a 225 250 so i just fished co-angler side and tried to learn something every tournament and you learn what boat to buy there you go you rode in all of them (laughs) (laughs) which one's not to buy that's the important which one which boat do i not waste my money on besides me who has the best boat is it ranger is it bass cat (laughs) The fastest boat I was ever in was on the James River, and that was a bass cat. But I thought I was going to mm. die that day. I think that was the <laughs> tournament. One coat. That ain't oh, a lie. They lost one co-angler out the side. That little river was so rough, but that bass cat got down. Uh, I like the bass cats. For sure. Yeah. So, Shad... You know, we hear we mostly hear the stories when people tell stories about the co-angler fishing and all that. We always hear the bad stories about the co-anglers. Do you have any bad, weird, funny stories of of boaters that you fished with? Yeah, I really only had one bad boater, and this guy I don't know why he showed up fish that day, but. He was so, so nothing could go right. You know, just so miserable to be out there. And it was was complaining about politics all day. He didn't know my politics. They weren't the same as his. But he was complaining about that all day. If somebody would shoot a gun down on the Ohio River target, he was, you know, banging on all them damn hillbillies and just it was the most miserable experience because he was just so negative. And you know, what's funny about that story. Tournaments I- <laughs> yeah. That he, so okay. he tells me this when I'm going to weigh my fish and then I meet his boater and I thought he was the coolest guy ever. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the nicest guy in the world. You didn't spend eight hours on the boat with yeah, him being, true. being true. negative all day long either. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's all about perception and time of that, time of meeting. Yeah. The only time I, I almost asked somebody just drop me off the, on the bank. I'll walk back. <laughs> God dang. It was. And uh, other than that, I had great guys, but this guy, he was to the point where he was almost throwing rods in the water every time he missed a fish or he come off. But the funny thing is, if you stay focused, and I was catching fish behind him, not a ton. It was on Tanner's Creek. 
but he would get so pissed and be like, what are you throwing? And then he'd go down a tie on a spinner bait that looked close to it and start slinging it. So it was, it was enjoyable and to the point of you could frustrate him just by staying focused and catching. Mm. Yeah. But I couldn't wait in, to get off the water that <laughs> any any funny stories, any funny shit, you know, them falling oh, in or anything like that on the boater side, you know, them being like, Man, fuck this, you come run this boat. I I suck today. Uh, you know, anything that's that that would be a funny story. We got uh see I get along with about anybody as long as they fish or hunt and are pro mm -hmm. gun. So funny stories usually come in with me and uh jump master pre-fishing. Mm. <laughs> we had to fix Tanner, yeah. As far as on the tournament day, no, it's all serious. I'm there to catch fish and learn something but just catch fish. And most of the guys were the same way the fun times of fishing uh out of the back of the boat is that pre-fishing that meeting the guys at the boat ramp those are the funny story times and uh, we got a few of them but uh, i'll let jump master tell some of them yeah he still in power with me yeah there's some no there's some yeah, bad so, boaters um there's some real bad boaters. So, Shadow, remember, we went to regionals on Potomac River, and it got so bad. Day one was canceled due to weather. The tide was the lowest it been yep. in five years or something, they said. So anywhere you fished in practice didn't have water. That's, mm. that's the main reason I zeroed on day one, where me and Shad went and practiced and found fish. Had zero water. I got my boat yep. stuck in there first thing in the morning going in and then I look like an idiot because my co-angler is like have you been in here before and I'm like yeah there was water in here when I was in here last time <laughs> um but that tournament was so devastating there were so many it's probably it's probably got the record for the most zeros for a regional championship in one day it was so bad that boaters didn't even fish the second day they would just pack yeah. up and leave Oh, they. But the problem it created was yep. that there was co-anglers that didn't have boaters for the next day. So there's bad oh, boaters too. There's guys that are just like, "Fuck, I'm going home. Fuck this. I'm going home and going back to work and clocking in." So I think it's on both sides of the house with yeah, bad now, boaters. That was ridiculous. They should have qualified boaters that left. They should have disqualified them for the next year because they let everybody hanging. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I thought yeah. so too. But then there's Damn, cool yeah, guys. Because I had a co-angler that was like, Kashad uh, was a co-angler that could that could cash a check that didn't have a boater. And I was about ready to give Shad my boat and say, okay, I'm not going to catch a check, but you still can. So I'll give you my boat. Mm. And even my co-angler was like, I'll give somebody my boat. Like my co-angler is ready to give his boat up to somebody he didn't know his personal boat. So there's good guys mm. out there and bad. I think more good than bad. But uh, the funny stuff comes from them practice days when you're out there tired and bullshitting around the ramp. That's when the funny stuff happens. Uh, yeah, that's 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 like that's like fun fishing with your buddies down at, at yeah. the local lake. You know, that's where you can let back and shoot the shit a little bit yep. and talk some junk and 
do some shit like that. Primary, how about you? Have you did have, do you have any funny or weird co angler stories that that were on the boat with you? Yeah, I had a guy that was on a Indian Lake, um, and Chad thought I was bullshitting up. with him the whole time. So the guy calls me the night before. I always let my co-anglers call me, and uh, I couldn't get the guy off the phone. He just kept going on and on, and he's, man, I got thousands of worth of this. I got thousands of dollars in tackle and this and that. And uh, I had an excellent practice. Chad practiced with me, and he's like, man, you're going to win this thing. He was like, this is it. You're going to win it. And I was feeling good. I was pumped up. And uh, I always launch my own boat. I get up super early. I put my boat in the water, and I tell him, hey, look for this red Triton. That's going to be me. I'm going to be the closest one to the ramp. It's easy to find me. Because usually I would sleep at the boat ramp. I didn't hotel it. Mm -hmm. I travel with a generator and everything and would stay at the ramp. That way I'm first in, first out. Um, and my co-angler shows up with two spinning rods and a, a Walmart sack of tackle. And this is all these baits he's got. And, uh, I was on a good topwater bite, throw in a, uh, KVD sexy dog, uh, mm -hmm. the three hook one. And uh, I catch one on this point that I was catching fish on in practice. And I turned the boat while I'm putting mine in the live well. And I told my co-angler, I said, hey, put on a walking bait and throw across this point. And I'm putting a coal ball on my fish, putting in a live well. And he has this massive blow up. And I'm like, that's it. I told you. And it comes off quick. And he's like, I don't know why it come off. And he's got this finesse ass spinning rod with a mega dog walking bait that's nine inches long and he goes i don't know why it came off and i said why are you throwing it on that and then i gave him a real rod and he backlashes it and i was like oh man, yep. i can't deal i was like you deal with that but i was like i can't believe and it i was kind of pissed because i'm like that waste i could have caught that fish and i yep, let this yep. guy mess with it and he just he done fucked up your reel and he's like you yeah. fucked it up you fix it yeah and uh i remember i i text shad and i said you're not gonna believe my co-angler the guy showed up to fish he had some high top jordans on i i, I don't know if he was going to play and one mixtape or bass fish um <laughs> but i was like there's I, i'm i'm all about some jordans but i'm not gonna wear them on the boat all damn day um, and I, I was texting Chad all he this, and he's like, oh, it can't be like that. <laughs> no. This what guy looked Chad? like he stepped right out of a Vanilla Ice music <laughs> in a day. He did. And nobody <laughs> wanted to believe me, because I talked so much no. shit. Nobody wanted to believe me until I got back to the ramp with the guy. He <laughs> 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 Did he have some parachute pants on? Yeah, he was a can't touch this. <laughs> hey, uh, that, but I never really had anything that no was crazy that just like got me real mad, but that was close. That guy was interesting. He literally just showed up to a boat ramp and thought, I'm going to be on the Elite Series. And well, he didn't make it, but he tried. Yeah. 
Yeah, that whole conversation about that thousands and tackle that morning, he come in there with that Walmart sack to put his tackle in the boat. And I said, man, you got hundred dollar bills wrapped around them things or what? <laughs> I was like, there ain't no way. You got... Walmart doesn't hold a thousand dollars worth of tackle. Uh, but some it, of them do. Some of them got some good shit in them. Not, yeah, not any mine around here, but yeah, I've that's right. That Shad, Walmart, they're regional. Oh yeah, Shad. Speaking of tackle, what what are you bringing when you come on the boat? Typically, how many rods? You know, how many combos? How much? How much tackle? You know, are you a tackle junkie where you've got two of those? You know, rod holders with with eight rods hooked into them and two tackle boxes and shit like that. Or are you bare minimum? Uh, maybe middle of the road. Like I bring one, you know, medium sized bag. Uh, it come from probably Walmart, and uh, just a go bag. But I'm gonna fill that up with everything I have confidence in that I think I'm gonna use on that lake. So there might be I don't know 25 pounds worth of baits in there and an extra reel in case I back one or an extra reel uh that's got braid on it if, if i think i'm on a frog or flip and i don't want to bring extra rods uh mm -hmm. so i can change out a reel rod i can kind of cross over with so i think you are allowed what uh jump master six rods on the FLW yeah stuff. i don't think there's a real number so I, on it but i think it's like six or eight is the etiquette mm. I, I always brought six, and it would be like three uh, bait casters and three spinning rods, or four and two. I'm, I'm a bait caster guy, but I'll throw a spinning rod. I don't care. You know, whatever whatever it takes. But I would always go, and this is for Ohio. Like, Ohio is so different from, like, good fisheries. <laughs> so I would go yeah. on my bait cast. It just is what it is. Ohio, it's a struggle, but you still get out, out there. So on my bait casting, and this is for my setup, on my bait casting rods, I'd fish, I'd bring some seven foot. I like seven foot. I'm a shorter guy. So seven foot, uh, I'd bring a medium and uh, a medium heavy. That'll cover a lot of the baits you want to throw on bait caster mm -hmm. and then my uh spin is seven foot medium i can you just kind of learn i i kind of taught myself to like the feel of throwing either a drop shot on a medium to like a heavy shaky head you know you want something that's versatile you can't get you know i can't when i'm fishing club tournaments i'll have 12 rods in the boat it's set up for each specific thing but mm. fishing out of the back of the boat you want that all around good rod somewhere in the middle because uh, you don't know what you're going to end up doing that day you're at the mercy of the the guy in the front so if he says hey we're going flipping well i've got a lot of practice flipping on a uh you know seven foot medium heavy so you know, yeah, you're not going to have your heavy rod with you for, you know, down south flipping, but you just get comfortable with that middle of the road rod and middle of the road reel. And 
I that's what I did. It's just try to find something that's in in the middle of the spectrum where you can throw lighter stuff easy enough. But if you need to horse them out of some grass, you at least have some backbone to get them out of the out of the weeds. Uh, you yeah. never yeah, that's, know what you're gonna do. Yeah, that's similar to to kayak fishing. So I'm I'm mainly like I fish kayak tournaments here. I fish some boat stuff with buddies and all. But I got a kayak. I don't have a boat. And when you're kayak fishing, you know, there are people that carry 12, 13 rods in there. But for the most part, folks are carrying somewhere around six to eight, maybe less, you know, depending on how dialed in they are. But you're downsized everything and what you can put on yeah. most of these kayaks. And so, you know, transferring over to a non-boater probably isn't that big of a shot as somebody that's typically fishing on the front of their boat. And then they show up fish as a co-angler and they... And they can't they can't carry all their shit and they don't they you know they don't know how to use what you were yep. just saying, how to use a rod and a reel for multiple different uh applications and fishing. So being able to do that again, that's that's another art to being a co-angler is being able to be versatile enough with your gear that you can fish, you can fish a bunch of different ways and feel comfortable with it and catch fish that way i mean that's that's something to say about the level of of angling that you can have yeah. in being a successful co-angler yeah 100 percent. one thing i couldn't I fish off the back of the boat <laughs> i did it i've done it a few times just in practice with shad to where like i'll go retie something and he'll get on the trolling motor and i'll say oh i'll just stand back here for a minute and i'm like to hell with this, dude. I want to move this thing where I want to go. Uh, I want to be, be the first to see something. You, know? you can't see your grass back there. Yeah. And you can't, you just, you can't, yeah, it's, you hit, you're probably hitting your trolling motor and, and shit all smacking everything in the back yeah. with all your crankbaits and, and you shit. Know, I thought about this today at work when I was thinking about stuff for this podcast is now with live scope. Like that's got to be brutal. To be a co-angler sitting on the back and the anglers getting a live look at fish and you're just back there flipping or throwing <laughs> whatever and this guy's just like over here with his live scope like he's fucking jack and white perch or crappie mm -hmm. just finessing them it's got to be brutal but i did always keep uh i run a hummingbird and lawrence over the console and I always kept the Lawrence on that had side down mm -hmm. and 2D with the temp and depth. So at least they don't have to ask me, like, how deep is it or the water temp. Um, but these days now, I can only imagine what it's like being a co-angler with this live scope going on everywhere. Yeah, that shit's got to suck. Especially, especially on these smallmouth lakes where that's where they're, that's how it's they're right acting now. all of them. Yeah, and see, in Ohio, in the Buckeye Division, I think it's easy to fish out of the back of the boat because you don't have to worry about that offshore bite as much because our water quality is shit. There ain't nothing for uh, <laughs> dissolved oxygen down. But, you know, so you're beating the bank. So Buckeye Division's good for the back of the boat, but that's because I grew up True. struggling here. And there's only seven uh, bass but anyway. What, you know, <laughs> In the whole state. Yeah. Yeah, there's only... There's seven bass, you're trying to catch one. And uh, <laughs> that's 
do is you just need to don't you don't zero you catch your one fish that's how i made it to second in the division just hand in the fish you can hand in don't zero and the one thing see i got i had a boat that uh i had the 360 i got the solix on there that i've had the helix mm. on there the hydra wave so going to the back of the boat most people underestimate you which is a good mm -hmm. thing and like you you just gotta fish hard and get that like swindle says positive mental attitude or whatever and don't worry about stuff you can't, can't control if he ain't gonna give you nowhere to cast you find some place to cast without pissing him off you know mm -hmm. don't don't front seat him but he get every fish that's on that bank or one moves up you just gotta fish like every cast is there's a bass there and it's a lot of mental and i mean that's kind of it you just stuff's out of your control in the back and you don't worry about it what's fun is yeah, when but... they start what are you throwing mm-hmm that is one thing that when you know when i fish the local club tournaments or when i'll go out with the buddies and stuff be on the back of the boat your your mental aspect can can fucking shit the bed at the snap of a finger because it it can be downright just i mean asinine how shitty it can be and the day starts dragging so being able to keep your mental game up that every cast is a fish that 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 shit's hard i mean that yeah. is really hard and especially if they're not catching them on the front of the boat you know your yeah. chances of catching them are even going down past that shad when you're practicing with jump master are you practicing at the back of the boat like you're going to be fishing that tournament or are you are y'all fishing together trying different lures and stuff like that how are you since you because a lot of co-angers probably aren't getting to practice at all and you're being able to what are you doing during those practice days are you practicing just like you would be on tournament day fishing out the back or are you are y'all working together to try to figure out bites and patterns and stuff mm -hmm. like that i would say we was working together we've got two different styles you know, he comes from down south so he's throwing big big stuff and i'm throwing decent sized stuff for ohio uh, but I'll, we'll go to finesse if we have to. He, he'll go super finesse. And we'd work together. And I'm fishing like I'm running the front of the boat as far as if I can catch him power fishing, I'm going to try to find that, you know, flipping bait. But I'm also checking and seeing what, you know, drop shot. Or and I'll cast a drop shot into the shore, not like traditional, you know, uh, drop shot. But anything too that you've got confidence in. But like tournament day, that's a day you don't want to try a new technique. You want to try that on your practice days or at your home water. I never wanted to try to learn a new technique on the fly because I knew I. I'm too dumb to learn it in five minutes. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'd we'd work together. 
Yo, Bullshit. I love frog fishing. We wasn't working together. He's we argued in a- so much about. <laughs> I don't hate frog fishing. I love frog fishing. But this is somewhere we argue. He'll throw a frog in some open ass oh, water somewhere. <laughs> and I'm sitting here. I'm like, why in the fuck am I going to throw a frog with a hookup ratio below 50% if I can throw a walking bait or mm-hmm. a popper that has a bunch of treble hooks on it? So we didn't work together. We just and, argued the whole fucking time. And if he caught something on something, I would take a mental note of it, never give him credit. <laughs> That's and right. I would fucking smash one on. <laughs> we spent yeah. a lot of time arguing about what to throw. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's how you work that out. Plus, I, I agree with him on the open water frogging, but most of the time nobody throws a frog over some like more open looking water so i'd catch a random fish out there and that's all i need on tournament day is just a random mm-hmm. uh random fish so i'll fish the bank but i'm gonna flip around the side of the boat and i'm gonna pitch one out where i think there's a weed bed that's re- real submerged all i need is one dumb fish to come up and hit that one time in eight hours and i got my fish for the day but that's in the Buckeye division. It's totally different animal than actual real fishing. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's good about traveling with him and him being from there is he will tie on some weird looking shit that I've never thought of. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then I, he'll just catch three off the back of the boat. And I'm like, I'm not going to tie it on in front of them while we're practicing. <laughs> Tomorrow. But when I go back to the truck and rig up, I'm going to put one on, you know. He's throwing some weird Mullock spinner bait and shit. And I'm like, man, I never even, I would never throw anything that looked like that. Is, but, he, ever uh, thrown what, a, is he ever thrown a Carolina rig with a crankbait off the back of the boat? <laughs> no, but I have seen him try to, because uh, so we had this thing, he'd come visit me every summer in Kentucky and fish a real lake out there and we go catch a hundred fish a day. But what's funny is getting him down where I fish and uh, his dad comes to, and then they'll catch a lot of fish in one day. But it's funny watching them like try to transition. Like they're fishing, like they're still in Ohio mm. and I'm out here just power fishing, slinging a crankbait fast as I can or a umbrella rig, which he thinks is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> or a glide bait, which he thinks is dumb. Both. Uh, giant. But, any bait over five inches, he thinks is dumb. Well, I mean, that's the size of the seven bass that they're trying to catch yeah, out in those true. Ohio lakes. It's true. You know what? One thing. One thing no, I have I... learned so far in this podcast, Shad and and Jumpmaster is, I don't want fucking fish in Ohio ever. Oh yeah, nobody. Anytime it... somebody talks to me about it, I'm like, no. there's, there's. Ohio and the Potomac River. If you stay away from that, you, you got you got a better chance of catching a bass in a ditch in my front yard than you do the Ohio River. <laughs> yeah, but and you're that's, Louisiana. That's hundred percent. But you're 100%. in Louisiana, so all the lakes out there look like ditches in your front yard. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But Ohio is a different creature. That's a that's a wrong attitude to have you want those super tough tournaments where everybody's crying everybody's bitching nobody's catching a fish because those are the ones for me that are winnable 
if you can catch that's true. that three fish, that five limit, you want the hardest tournament possible because then the real good guys are struggling and you just need to be the lucky son of a bitch that can put a couple mm. in the boat. So when you ain't real good, you want the toughest tournament out there. I like the Potomac. I like the James River because everybody else didn't like them. You just got to mm, embrace yeah. that suck. Yeah, there is something about it. There is something about it. Like uh, one of the Ohio River trips, I put on a mega dog in the summer, and I was like, I'm just going to throw this all day. If I catch one big dumb one, I've done something. And you can you can cash a check with one fish there. Mm. If you got one four-pounder that's like, I'm going to eat this stupid chrome mega dog, you got a check. You got a check, and you're the man when you walk across the stage where you're one fish in Ohio. Now, don't come to Toledo Bend with that bullshit. You ain't doing that on Tilapo Bend now. But in Ohio, you can get away with it. I, I like my biggest. I like, go ahead, Chad. Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, my biggest bag in a an open tournament up here it was just like a working man's weekend open tournament is only 16 pounds and we won that and i had a seven uh 6.98 in that Damn. tournament so when you know i don't how to catch State 20 record. pounds of fish but, hey you know i know there's an eight in that lake tapping lake ohio shryock fish that he, he there's a lot of good fishermen up here a lot better than me they just don't want to go any higher, so they don't. They just beat up on us locals. But I know there's mm-hmm. an eight-pounder in that lake, and someday I'm going to catch There's an eight-pounder in this cove right out yeah. that window, and it's a lot easier to catch than that whole <laughs> shitty lake up there. <laughs> you probably see that eight-pounder every day, too, yeah. don't you? Yeah, that's where hey, Shag y'all... gets mad is I'm fishing every day. He's like, oh, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. Well, y'all got Uncle Uncle Frank Scalish up there, and he seems like he he catches some fish in some of them Ohio yeah. lakes. Oh yeah, yeah. There there's some hammers up there. Bill Owen, he came out of there on Ohio River. The uh, Shitlock Brothers, the Sheep and Wolf Cats, or whatever. Uh, Shad <laughs> rolls with him. Shad, he, he got a job offered by him just to drive hey. the fucking truck around for him. <laughs> Hell yeah. I wouldn't. There, I wouldn't uh, do it. But. There, They're super nice guys, and they're good. They're they're damn good fishermen, and there's a lot of good locals up here, and uh, it, it makes you tougher. It makes you, you know, you don't really like going out and not catching any fish, but the guys go out there and do it anyways, and it, it forces you to get good or just em- embrace the suck up here. Well, there's something to say about always having the struggle bus when you're out there fishing all the time, especially in a tournament scene. When you when you come from having to grind that shit out all day, every day, it goes back to that mental aspect, right? You you know just to keep plugging along because at some point, some point you're gonna hit something. Just keep doing what you're doing. Like there's patience in that. I'm a very impatient motherfucker, and Me too. and that's not to say I don't 
like to grind. That's not it. But I'm impatient. I'm always moving. I'm always trying different stuff. You know, I use my graphs to to help me find fish. So I'm trying not to waste time. But having those days where you're struggling your ass off in in tournaments and in careers, and then you get out there and you get in a fishery where you know the shit's good. That's that's awesome there. But those yep. those other tournaments where the cold front blows through, because you know that happens every tournament. Um, those are the days that you can keep your shit together better than some of these other folks that are used to catching a hundred fish. When every time they go out, you keep your shit together better and it increases your odds of, of cutting a check or winning because you're not letting that get you down. It's not, it's not getting you off your game. It's not getting you off of what you know you need to be doing. So coming up with it, with that struggle bus of fishing, it says a lot about those guys that have made it to the pro levels and have done well. Yeah, it makes you appreciate when you get back to your home waters. For mm. my case, I go up there and practice for five days and fish a tournament and then catch four fish that total time. And then I can come back home and catch 100 in a day. And I'm like, yeah. But uh, even when yeah, I have a bad suck, day at home. I don't suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even when I have a bad day at home and I'll call Shad on my way from the ramp. And I'll be like, man, I only caught 16. I was like, I don't know. They was off today. I couldn't. I couldn't find them stacked up. And he's like, that's a whole year in Ohio. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> but it sucks for right here, right now. It's all about where you are right now. And if you're in Ohio and you catch four, yeah. be happy. Be mm. happy. That's it. Just love mm. that. It's the expectation. Yep. And I, th I think that's what any lake you go to in America. What's the expectation yep. that time of year on that body of water? That's true. The worst thing I can do mentally is go down and fish with him down south and it's be so easy to catch fish and then come home. I don't even feel like fishing for a month because I don't want to go out there and struggle uh -huh. for five fish a day or a day. It's horrible. Like I would fish good water because I don't know what I'm missing. Yeah. Him and his dad did take a couple sense. months off fishing sense. after the last trip. Oh shit! Come he was like, months. I just don't even. Want, he's like, I don't even want to go I, out because of this shit. Yes, you go down there and catch fish. You don't even have to try. I'm, I'm letting my wife run the boat. I'm just sitting in the back, messing around. She's catching fish up front, running the trolling motor. I'm catching fish off the back. The kids are catching fish. We come home and it's like, damn, this is a dead sea. And I, I better move to Kentucky. <laughs> yeah it does get that way it's but, but, but i tell you it's something humbling about going up there and struggling i think oh, everybody should do it once somebody should do it. everybody should do it at least once go up there and see what a shithole's like yeah that's once exactly that's exactly once, once. that's all that's all <laughs> i want shay you can't be taking no months or weeks off from fishing because it ain't like you can go out there and fish right now very well can you are you in a place that get ice over or anything like that? How what what is your time frame? What's your winter time frame where you just can't get out there and go fish unless you're ice fishing? Well, oh, see, there's guys still on the water. Some of the hammers up here, they'll go till ice, and then if you know, say it depends on the year. Say December, they'll end. And in March, they're back out there. If they can get a boat in and there's 10 foot of clear water along the, the shore. But see, I run where 
and I grew up this way. I grew up fishing from uh, as soon as I could hold a pole, and it was mostly all soft plastics. So we would turkey hunt, and then so I missed the spawn. Like I don't know how to fish spawn and fish because we were always in the turkey woods. Then we uh-huh. hit the lakes, fish, and then as soon as deer season comes, we'd be in the deer woods. So I missed the early fishing that was good and the late fall fishing that was good because I was always hunting. So we'd get that dog days of summer fishing and just the struggle bus. But hell, we still like doing it. And when I, I'm, hell, me and dad would tournament fish as much as we could work working man tournaments and uh weekend tournaments night tournaments i love night fishing it can Mm -hmm. be a make or break like you're either on them or you're not i i still haven't finished that fit figured that out but um there's guys that will fish until they absolutely can't and then it seems like everybody's like well there's nothing else to do let's go ice fishing some years you get some ice other other years you don't get any ice, but ice fishing that's like a last ditch effort. You just want to be yeah. Out you lost it. me. You <laughs> lost me. I'm Look, not trying to be out there sitting it, in that shit. It's colder than penguin pussy sitting on an iceberg, man. <laughs> I'm good. I ain't Look, messing man, with that. I I want to go ice fishing, but I want to be in a shanty where we stay out there in the shanty for the week and and drink white claw surges and bourbon and eat eat what we catch and eat and i'll bring up carolina red hots eat a bunch of carolina red hots and you know just sit out there a couple nights in the shanty and so i don't want to sit out there in the middle of the lake on a fucking bucket that's and what fish they do. through a hole i don't no i don't want to do that that's- i want to go out in the shanty and do it i want to be in the outhouse on the ice living it up having a grand time look there's that's no that lake fish Erie to be ice in fish. ohio there's no fish to be caught in Ohio when it's good, when they're schooled <laughs> up. You damn sure ain't catching them when there's six inches of ice on the water. That's just a bunch of people wanting to leave their house because their old lady's bitching and sit on the ice. Because that's better than listening to her. That's all that is, if you're in Ohio. Now, I'm sure if you go to Wisconsin, there's they're some- probably catching something, maybe. Yeah, there's some truth to that. You know, instead of ice fishing most of the time, I'll just go coyote hunting. Because uh, I got a better chance of shooting a coyote than than catching a damn bluegill or crappie through the ice. Yeah, yeah y'all can keep <laughs> that. Y'all gonna... can keep that Yankee-ass shit. The, the, the got... ice... Go ahead. Oh, Ohio's got big, big deer, depending mm-hmm. on what area you're in. But most of Ohio, their fishing's pretty rough. Lake Erie's good. Mosquito Lake's great. And Portage Lakes. All them western Ohio lakes, them guys, to me, really struggle out there. Is that just the fishery isn't good? Or is it just, I mean, that's just, uh, fuck... I don't even know why I'm asking that question. We've we have come to the conclusion that Ohio fucking sucks. Yeah, they don't do anything. I mean, we for just come to that conclusion. And then the good times that there are to fish, Shad's out here fucking hunting and not even yeah, out there fishing. 
chasing thunder chickens and coyotes and shit. Uh, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'll fish in the cold. I go to Cumberland in the cold. Uh, me and my wife went to Cumberland. It was 17 degrees. We was breaking ice off the guides of the rod. Mm. But the difference between Cumberland and Ohio is on Cumberland, I'm catching five-pound smallmouth. And mm. Ohio, I'm just reeling in a Bama rig full of moss or something. <laughs> you know? Like, who wants, I would go deer hunting over that shit, too. Well, so we talked about this earlier. I'm 15 minutes from Sharon Harris, and that lake, I, I, I fish. I don't hunt anymore. All I do is fish, and I'm out of a kayak, and it doesn't matter. I've been out in the kayak when it's been 15, 19, 20 oh, degrees yeah. plenty times. But here we do – Sharon Harris is a great blade bait lake. And oh, when it. you go out there, you're not going to – I mean, you'll have days in the winter where you'll catch and, – and matter of fact, a couple of weeks, a couple of buddy of mine have gone out there and they've caught 20-plus bass, and the biggest being seven pounds. But the point I'm making is you get out there with that blade bait on this lake, and you might – you're not going to catch a ton of fish like you will in the summertime. But, man, yeah. the chances – most guys that are out there fishing a lot in the winter – uh, Jordan and Harris primarily because that's the ones I fish and my buddies fish there. They catch numerous seven, eight. Oh yeah. You know, nine pounders in the winter time. The majority of their big fish of the year come from pretty much December into first of March when they're yep. out there in 20 to 30 foot of water blade baiting or throwing a drop yeah. shot. All my double digits have come from minus one have came from December, January time mm -hmm. frame. Every big smallmouth ever caught has been in the middle of December, right around Christmas. Um, that is something that changes. If you get on a fishery that has smallmouth, they seem to be more active than largemouth are in the wintertime. Now, in the wintertime, I don't go out and catch no – I don't have 100 fish days in the wintertime. But – you the quality greatly mm -hmm. increases and uh you that's when you see especially on jordan and harris like some of them guys they might only catch eight fish that day but they call an eight pounder a six pounder mm -hmm. you know they're putting yeah, together 30 pound a good bag. bag yeah they're yeah. putting together a sack out there on jordan and harris this time of year yeah especially especially the folks that are good with their live scope the last couple of years those four facing sonar folks out on uh jordan specifically have been putting together 30, 35 pound bags during during our winter months. And our winter months are December, January, kind of into February. Yeah. And they they do it. Um, you know, we don't get ice, so it's just cold as shit. And yep. the sun comes up and it's not, you know, you, you warm up a little bit, but the the chances for us to catch big fish down here greatly increase with the with the exception of the spawn period during this wintertime fishing and it's still a grind i mean i hate it i absolutely hate it out there sitting in the middle of the damn lake vertical jigging a stupid yep. ass blade bait just over and over and over i hate that shit it drives me nuts and i'm not good at it one reason i hate it i'm not good at it hadn't clicked for me yet but it it is i've i've seen the fruits of the labor of people and yeah. so I'm, I'm slowly i'm slowly beating my head against the wall enough that i'm i'm I'm, I'm you know that blade bait and that thick ass war eagle spoon i guess they always jig that thing um yeah, i'm not a yeah. fan of it but it works so i go and do it you know that, yeah, and the reason yeah. is because 
if somebody said, if I ask you right now, would you do this a thousand times for this one eight pounder that I showed you? And you'd be like, well, hell yeah, I will. But at the time, you don't know that that's what's going to come from it. So you're like, oh, this sucks. Well, until you um, catch that fucking that struggle eight, you get through. Yeah, until you catch that fucking eight pounder, you don't think that shit's real. You can watch yeah. somebody else catch it, but until it's on the end of your line yeah. and in your boat, you know, you it don't tickle your fancy quite as much. Nope. Nope, it doesn't. But that's that that's that one you gotta go work through. Um and I hate the cold. Chad I tell you, I can't stand the cold. But I'll deal with it if I'm gonna catch some big fish. And then them December, January months, that's when it's happening. Uh in Kentucky and here in Louisiana, that's when it's happening. That January month, man, I can't oh I love it. Get that Bama rig going and mm-hmm. ooh, that's where it's at. That is where it's at. You know, you skinny folk don't like the cold weather. You put some meat on your damn bones, you'll be able to handle a little hey, bit better. Whoo, I don't I don't think it matters. I just can't do the cold. That's that shit hits my bones. I'm like, nope, that's it. That's it. And I, I won't lie to you. If I get out there and about two hours go by, I'm like, damn, if I don't catch something in a minute, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> but it always happens. I'll catch one and then mm-hmm. I'll be like, that next two hours goes by with nothing, and I'm like, Oh man, if I don't catch something yep. in a minute, I'm gonna leave. There's always something that happens that keeps you going just for just yep. a little bit longer. See, I grew up only bass fishing, but the best cold water fishing up here, in my opinion, and the easiest is muskies. Hmm. Them muskies, when the wow. bass start being finicky, more finicky than usual in Ohio, those muskies start eating. And I just use my bass tackle, a, a buddy of mine, uh, Water Faucet. That's another nickname Tony gave him. Uh, he showed I don't even know his real name. I just but, call him Water Faucet. But that's a that's a tough nickname there. That's a lot of syllables for, for a country person to say. <laughs> hey. He don't even know my real name is a thing of it. And I know I'm not saved in his phone under my real name. You're not. (laughs) uh, But those muskies, that's a true story. The the muskies are a a fun uh, cold water fish. In Ohio, the eastern part where I'm from, you know, if the bass don't want to play, I'll I'll fish for some muskies and i don't even know what i'm doing and i can catch a few of them make it worth going mm-hmm. out that is one that is a big difference in the northern lakes versus southern lakes we we don't we don't have any ice and you know, we can go out there year round the bass are still gonna bite but we don't have a variety we don't have those cold water fish that we can yeah we, we don't can have target. Teeth fucking yeah we don't we, yeah we don't have no toothy bastards like like that you know down here you're catching crappy you're catching bass, and that's pretty much it. You know, you probably hook into a catfish every now and again. But if you're out there, you're fishing for one of those two things. But the crappy fishing right here is pretty damn good right now. Yeah, we got alligators, alligator gore, grinnel. I think y'all call it a bowfin. But mm-hmm. other than that, that little tooth thing. Uh, funny story about that toothy fish. I don't know what it's called. I can't remember. But uh, I caught one on Indian the first time I went there. It wasn't a muskie. It was something else that they go target after there. And I caught it on it. Yeah, saw guy. I caught it on 1.5 square bill. 
uh, and I was like trolling motoring across to this other side of this channel. And I was just throwing a random square bill and caught one. And uh, I went and bent down and I lipped it. And that some bitch ate a line across my thumb and my co-angler went to laughing. And he was like, I didn't know you was going to grab it like that. And I was like, I don't know. I never seen one. I was like, I don't know what the hell it is. You know, and I grabbed it like that and it tore me up. And I was like, what was that? And they were like, it's a saw guy. I was like, what the hell is a saw guy? Like, all they're good eating. I'm like, man, fuck that. It's like Alex's story about him catching his first down here. We call them jackfish up yonder. That's what y'all we call, call them it jackfish. Yeah. Pike and pickerel, stupid ass names like yeah. that. But it's a jackfish, but he caught a jackfish and he went to go lip that bitch and it tore his thumb all to hell. And he's bleeding everywhere. He he's told that story a few times. I can't tell it like he can. Cause I usually ain't oh. listening to him. It's straight razor blades in the mouth of them things. I don't know why uh, anybody would want to go target that. Like unless you're gonna apparently they good eating. I don't know. I'm not eating it. I'm not eating it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I, even I, want it in my boat. But I, the guys that fish for them say they're good eating. I ain't wasting my time with them either, and I live up here. <laughs> yeah, I you out you out it. hunting this time of year for sure. Yeah, he's out there yeah. sitting on the ice calling coyotes. That's what he's talking about the other day. He's like, I can ice fish and coyote hunt. <laughs> and I'm go. like, dude, hell with all that, man. Shad, I'm not you ever with that? Shad, you ever ate coyote? No, I got a buddy that tried it once just to say he did. Yeah, he wasn't too impressed with it. If I was hungry, I'd try it, but I. I've still got enough meat on my bones. I ain't that hungry. <laughs> yeah, winter storage. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I like. I'm all. I'm. I call it tactical fat storage. I'm. I'm prepared for the winter. So am I. So am I. And I just. I keep preparing every more every year. Um, my fat stores are are well well endowed. I'm gonna get okay. there once I retire. I'm gonna start it. I'm gonna do the beard and the the keg. Mine's not gonna be fat storage. It's gonna be a keg full of Knob go. Creek bourbon and Bud Light. Man, you gotta get you some white claw surges in there too. It'll change uh, your life. You and Shadbird are on that drink level. Him and his red apples, elves, white bud. claws. I, I keep no, it trailer no. park, bud. I, I keep it trailer park. <laughs> I ain't drinking the regular white claws. It's the surges. I got eight alcohols in them. I can drink three or four of them and be golden. And I didn't have to drink a twelve pack of regular white claws and be bloated and feel like shit for the next two days. Yeah, I honestly never even Not drink a white claw. It's just the stigma with it. I can't even bring myself to try it. Well, the surge is a man's drink. I'm telling no. you, eight, eight alcohols will sneak up on you. It tastes like a little bit of flavored water. And it's got eight alcohol. Here's a good story. So we had a local, we had our, our Bassmaster qualifying event. And me and a few other guys went and stayed at a house. And uh, Michael Wiggs, he came down and we had some white claw surges and he was putting them things down. And, you know, I've seen it a bunch. I've seen people drinking things like they ain't nothing. And by the yep. end of the, by the end of the night, he was, he, he wasn't feeling good. So he went to bed. The next day we get out on the water. And I, I pedal, I got a Hobie, so I pedal and he's got oh, a, yeah. uh, a native, I think. But anyway, 
So I pedal real fast, you know, about four and a half miles per hour pedaling. That's that's my speed I'm at. He's keeping up with me. We fishing about an hour into fishing. I see him over here, his hands is in his 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 face are in his hands and he's rubbing his head and shit. He's like, dude, I feel like shit. <laughs> I tried to tell him when things sneak up on you, and he 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 has not drank another one and will not drink another one. He they oh, put shit. his ass. He felt like shit the whole day. Missed some. He missed a couple good fish. Poor fella. <laughs> oh, I don't think Shad will drink Woodford Reserve again. Our last camping trip, we went on a lake in Kentucky, and I I brought out a bottle of uh, Double Oak Woodford Reserve, and uh, we're sitting around the campfire with the family, and I pulled it out, and I said, Shad, we're going to finish this whole bottle, and I Oof. threw the lid in the fire. Oof. We killed that bottle. Him with his little uh bitch ass he went and got a hotel the next day because he couldn't sleep in his tent he was so bad off hey tell me i went and took the kids swimming and everything else on that bottle of woodford but he got his wife to take him to a hotel and put him in a room with air conditioning he was That's so bad fucked up. That's <laughs> you know what you didn't want to tell him that shot don't try keep yeah, don't try keeping up with an army guy when you're a lightweight. You'll match him drink for drink, but the next day it don't hit the same. You're going to be <laughs> out of commission. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, I, everybody's like, is he all right? I was like, oh, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. <laughs> Look, I got, so I love bourbon. I, I, I've drank a lot of bourbon, love it. It's delicious, but both. This last year, I fucking get gout in my right big toe. And, you know, it's it's from alcohol, especially liquor. And I tell you, that's that's some of the worst pain I've ever had my entire fucking life. Like it, You're it like is the a, third person that's told me that about gout. Yeah. It is a nonstop throbbing that ibuprofen, Tylenol, none of that shit quells. And not only is it throbbing and you can't walk and your foot swollen, it's just your skin hurts. Like to pull a sock over your foot with that shit, it yep. hurts. It hurts. It's it's so, and matter of fact, this past Thanksgiving, we always, my wife's side of the family, we always get some, some kind of one of the wild turkey, good wild turkeys. And I had a few and, but damn, like three days later, my fucking toe starts swelling up. I'm over here fucking limping around like an old man hurting like hell fuck so i've i stick to my white claw surges no hangover you know none of that bullshit that comes with it uh you know all that so hey shad we will we shift gears a little bit because we get talk about fucking drinking and fishing we'll be here all night oh, man it's... shad are you still fishing uh tournaments as a co-angler you fishing your local tournaments what does your tournament scene look like coming up this next year well <laughs> You know, I haven't fished a lot of tournaments last year. Uh, with Grandpa and Dad. Grandpa passed away, and and he passed away there uh, last before last fishing season. So I've just been kind of taking a break. Um, I'll get back into the local scene after that dude down at the Ohio River that was an asshole all day. Yeah, I'm kind of done on the co-angler side for a while because mm. it's gotten so expensive in the western part of Ohio, and I'm on the eastern part. 
I'll just mm. fish local opens and, and local tournaments. But it was definitely fun meeting the guys. You met some really good guys and some friends. Uh, it's definitely worth going out and learning and fishing it. But I probably won't fish any. Uh, uh, I think the field size is too big for the size of lakes we've got in Ohio. Mm. Now, if they've made an eastern and a western division in Ohio, I'd jump in them. And I jump in them as a boater, but just the travel, like I rather just stick it out here in the hill. You know, I can get to five different lakes in a half hour from my house. Damn. So I just don't feel like driving four or five hours west to go fish worse waters. So I'll fish some locals, but I've just been taking time off. I fish a lot with the family. And that's what I've just been doing is teaching the next generation stuff I learned. They can take it if they want to. So I've just been mm-hmm. focusing on taking the kids out and all the time. You know, we don't use live bait. I make them struggle bust like I come up. <laughs> fishing that soft plastic fish. And get them in the mindset of, hey, fishing sucks, but it's fun. It doesn't always suck. Yeah, it doesn't always always suck. They get their Kentucky trips in with us, though. So there you go. They realize what the real thing is. How about you, Jumpmaster? What's your season look? Go ahead, Chad. Go ahead. No, no, finish. Finish. Hey. Oh well, that's a bad thing about going down south. Like I said. You show them kids what real fishing's like. They don't want to come back home and fish for a dink or two fish in a day. So you can't show them the real good times till they got a good basis of what Ohio fishing's like. <laughs> yeah. Until you realize true. we live in a shitty state for fishing, you are never going to get to enjoy yourself fishing until you know yeah. how bad it sucks. Yeah, then you that's right. then you're allowed that's to right. go catch fish somewhere else. <laughs> then you go to Uncle Jumpmasters down in Louisiana yeah. and and catch everything from alligators to snapping turtles. Hey, I got in a duck blind with an alligator the other day. Oh, nice. Did y'all <laughs> yeah. share? Did you chase his ass out? No, I got in there in the dark and then uh I was sitting there and I was like, What in the hell is I in here with me? Because it just we just got a bunch of rain. And I got water flooded into the blind. And uh, it's been kind of unusually warm here lately. Mm. We finally got cold coming, though, at least. Uh, but I was like, what in the hell is that? And I turned my light on my phone because I left my headlamp in the truck. And I said, what in the fuck? I was like, what is this little thing doing? I had to kick it out of there. Um, <laughs> and then shit in my waders. But there's that. <laughs> but no, for this. Uh, I got a buddy, he's over in Poland fixing to come back. We'll probably hit that Texas team trail or something like that. Um, Ever since the whole uh, FLW got bought out by MLF, I didn't like the way it went with uh, the BFLs, um, with paying for regionals and the stuff that they got in there now. So, But the good thing is you got MPFL stepping up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish I was already on my retirement, like damn Alex, and I'd have dropped my application for that MPFL. But uh, I'm not there yet. I got about two, three years to go before I hit that. But I'll probably hit some Texas team trail um, stuff like that because there's a lot of. If you go East Texas, Louisiana, 
there's so many trails that pay more than MLF does. Um, the stage is not quite as big, but the payouts are there. Less travel. Less travel. Yep. Yep. Um, I would do it again if I could get Shad to come all the way down to hit the Cowboy Division and fish Sam Rayburn and Toledo Bend. Hmm. Um, I'd probably get on it again, and that would make it worth it just to hear him uh, rap about all his bullshit. Oh. I think he should do it just because it's a trip yep. to a real fishery. There you go. As soon as I hit the lottery, I'm going to have a place down south so I can actually go fish <laughs> in the summer. And then come back up north for the winter. There you go. Oh, You're going to snowbird that's it. That's opposite. That's opposite. Why would you go mm-hmm. up there? For, oh, I'm not going up there for the winter time. I, oh, we got big bat, uh, We got big bucks up here. You got to get in the woods. Yeah, yeah you but you coming down bucks. there and fishing when it's 135 degrees, no wind. Oh, you ain't getting him. You ain't getting him in the heat. He won't go to Kentucky when it's 90. <laughs> He'll go get a hotel room. He's so booty. Oh, my God. The one time we go to regionals, and I, I roll. I got a camper on my truck, generator. I'll stay in a Walmart parking lot or at the boat ramp. And this guy's like, come on, let's get a hotel room. The one time I give in to him, we're at D.C. for regional championships. He's like, I'm going to get us this hotel room. We get a hotel room. There's gang out. There's gangland shootings in it. People are pulling the fire alarm, floods yep. raiding rooms. Yep. Uh, we're in the hotel for two nights. We get kicked out at 3 a.m. over SWAT team and gangland shootouts and everything else. I say, like, dude, I'm better off in my truck. I was like, this is why you stay in the truck, man. I'd have got some sleep in my truck and at the yeah. boat ramp. I'm like, dude, and you don't get you know, up as early. <laughs> That ain't a lie either, because the first night, because I just threw a mattress in the back of that Honda Pilot, we slept at Walmart parking lot, old coffee pot, found us. Three states <laughs> he did. found us in that. That, <laughs> that ain't no lie. So, that Walmart parking lot was the safest spot in Virginia. <laughs> I think it, yeah, or America, you go to Baltimore. You go to Baltimore, Walmart's the safest place for you. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. But Coffee Pot did. He come and found us from Ohio in a Walmart parking lot in Baltimore. And he knocked on the cab of my truck. And I played sleep hard as I could. <laughs> and he commenced to talking to Shad for two hours. <laughs> well, he's got, in the back of my truck. He put, he put some and, air tags on y'all's vehicles. <laughs> That, that ain't a lie. And he was, uh, Jumpmaster was a car over texting me, ha, 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 ha. I, I pretended <laughs> I was asleep. And, yeah, you know, there's some good people out but there. I, but I'm serious. Like, that, where was it? Indian Head or whatever, wherever that hotel was. That was the most dangerous area to be in for, like, a redneck, a hillbilly like me, like, you know, I hear shots out home because somebody's hunting. I'm hearing shots in there because somebody's getting capped. And no thanks. Yeah. I'll stick to the hill. There you go. The woods. Oh. The woods are safe. The woods are safe. 
Well, look, we're going to start wrapping this up here. Now, Jumpmaster, you have already been through these questions, so you're yep. not going to answer them this go round. But Shad, Shad's going to be talking about shooting. Shad's going to be the 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 guy holding the shotgun and the shotgun round. Now, Shad, with these questions, there ain't no him hawing, no thinking, no this or that. And I'm going to ask you the question we need right off the top of your head to answer, all right? All right. All right. Now we got a little bit Let's of a delay. It. We got a little bit of a delay with you, Shad. So I'll ask you the question and then obviously you'll get into it. And once you're done answering it, we'll probably chastise you here and there. But you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. First one crocs yep. or flops? Flops. I don't like Crocs. I think they should be illegal. It should be in the Constitution where you can't have them. See, I, you know what? This this podcast, thank you, everybody, for coming to Bass and Brews podcast. This Shad does not get past the first question. <laughs> you can tell that he is a boater who does not kayak fish because he's in flops, and when they get wet, they'd be sliding off your feet and all this. You got to have Crocs now. Got to have Crocs in the kayak. So you can put four wheel drive and be able to pull your shit up the boat ramp. Come on. <laughs> I've had too many the croc side and never come back. So it's just a sticking point with me. I just refuse. I'm sure they're comfortable, but I just can't. Out of principle. Well, yeah, I wear I wear them because again, I, I'm in the water, 19 degrees. So I wear crocs, no socks. And when I get in the boat, I take them off. I don't care how 19 degrees I'm out there barefoot in the, in the kayak. So my feet get cold. I just dip them in the water to warm them up. But when the sun comes up, them crocs will heat up and they got good airflow. So your feet never stay wet and they never get cold. Well, they get cold, but they warm up after a while. So you ha you just have to try it. It's, it's, it's life-changing. It's magical. See, I got to fish in tennis shoes because I don't want a hook in my toe. Like, that would be the worst, pulling a, a dang on Gamagatsu flipping hook or or something out of my foot. Like, I don't want – I'm fishing in, in tennis shoes. See, I go barefoot so much that the corns on my feet are like concrete. So That's I me. To, I don't have he to gives worry me about... so much shit for fishing barefoot. <laughs> but I tell you what, I go barefoot so much, I'll leave the house and go to a store or go I'll somewhere. Say. And get out the damn truck. I'm like, fuck, I don't have no fucking shoes on. Yeah, same here. <laughs> All same right, next here. question. Next question, Shaf. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? I mean, it, I guess, but I ain't I ain't gonna seek it out, but I ain't gonna pass Come on, yes free or no? Either. Yeah, yeah, uh, I got you. you I got you. It. You, you ain't gonna free, order it. it. You ain't gonna order it, but if it's there to eat, you're gonna eat it. Yeah, I'm not passing up a free meal. I ain't gonna order it, but I'll eat it if it's there. Yeah, that, hey, I, I can live no, with that. No. I can live with that. Every fat person has that same answer. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't ordering it, but I'm gonna eat the hell out of it. <laughs> All right, Shad, you gonna spend more on a rod or a reel? Ah. Uh... Probably, well, with what I got sitting here, probably a rod. Hmm, okay. 
Interesting. But that's just, you, you know, I'll take, uh, well, no, a real. The, the, the D, a real, a real. As long as it's got good bearings. But I always replace the bearings with ceramic bearings right off the bat anyways. Mm. That's that's because you got to be up there at cold ass weather fishing. You got to do dumb shit to your rock, do your reels up there so, <laughs> yeah. so they work. Just to get a the bite. Damn get a time. single bite. <laughs> you got to get that one bite. Yeah. All right. In a three hour session, you want to catch five two pounders, a one seven pounder. And I've been, this is the one question out of all these I want to hear your answer on because <laughs> it sounds like you don't get a chance for many five two pounders. Uh, I mean, honestly, up here, five two pounders most turns. So five two pounders will win you. Hell no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want the big one. I want one big one. Mm-hmm. It, it just in a turn. None. All right. We go on to the next one. Wacky rig or Texas rig? Texas. Texas. You peg you pegging it or you letting it free? Free ball. Uh always peg it. Bobber hmm. stuff. I got you. Okay. <clears throat> but you said you grew up fishing plastic, so that was probably what what you started off fishing with, huh? Oh yeah. Uh yep, Texas rig. Now We'd peg it back in the day, but now that I like flipping a lot more, I'm pegging everything Texas rig. Uh, wacky rig's good, but, you know, I'll go through spurts where I'll fish it some years and other years. I just, I just rather Texas. Yeah, I'm too impatient for that shit. I at least got a Nico rig it or flick shake it. I don't want nothing slow. I don't want nothing slow. Speaking of slow, Shad, slow jams or hike music? Mm, hype music. I got you. Hype. So is it some is it some 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 the the good rap, the nineties, early two thousands rap, or are we going with some heavy death, heavy metal shit? Heavy death. There we go. You want to be beating your head against the steering wheel in the parking lot before you get up into the boat, huh? He listens to Katy Perry That's on the way big. to the ramp. That's <laughs> What'd he say? Katy Perry. You listen yeah, to Katy Perry on the way to the ramp. Yeah, yep, yep. That's right. That's a hundred percent true story. Now, if you're gonna be banging your head against the steering wheel all day trying to catch a fish, you might as well listen to heavy music. There you go. I I like some ABBA. Tell you what, this shit gets me fired up. So, Shad, have you ever eaten beaver? Nope. I mean, not the uh, kind you hunt. What other kind of beaver is it? I mean, you can hunt both kinds. It's just the area in which you hunt them. Yeah. Chad, you are, you're yeah, in the I north, see. man. You're in beaver country. Y'all got, y'all, y'all got them big beavers up there. Never trapped one, never hunted them. I got better shit to do than <laughs> chase some beaver. I'll eat that motherfucking beaver raw. Come on. Uh, like pond hopping, pond hopping like his beaver <laughs> <Yeah>. raw. 
That's what I said last time. He said Beaver. I, I went a whole different direction when he said mm. Beaver. <laughs> hey, Shad, you up in the country, Bo. I bet you got some people that cook Beaver. It's just good eating now. You got to try it. I'll tell you that. All right, next question. Do you eat largemouth bass? Absolutely not. <sighs> nope. But is, we is only it... got five. <laughs> Hey, hey, his grandpa caught the only six pound smallmouth there and ate it. (laughs) True story. (laughs) That's awesome. He went to McDonald's and got a fish fillet and threw at him. (laughs) That's a hundred percent true. He cleaned like three four pounds smallmouth out of one of our lakes and i was so pissed uh that i went to mcdonald's and i said hey i got him a fillet of fish or two fillet of fish and i i threw it on the counter and i said you want to eat a fish sandwich here's the damn fish sandwich leave the smallmouth in the lake there's only four of them in and he got three of them oh my God. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I'll I'll accept that answer. I will not chastise you because you're the only person that we've talked to that won't eat it because you have only a limited number to actually <laughs> catch to win money on. So I, I won't I won't give you a hard time on this. This you make a valid point of why y'all can't eat them up there. All right, Chad. Now this this is the bass and brews. What it's we're a- known for. This question here is is gonna sink your career or it's gonna take off like a rocket ship um one or the other what are your top three sandwich proteins uh chicken a throwback to when i used to fish with grandpa he always had like pepper loaf and then uh hard salami what the fuck is a pepper loaf that peppercorn bologna. I don't know. Where yeah. they put that fake ass corn peppers in it. Yeah, it's got a lot of pepper on it. It's something grandpa ate on the boat. He either had that or. Uh, I always went for the pepper. Oh, we have never I think had. That's what it was called. I can't we've even. We've never had I'm, pepper loaf. Uh, that's interesting. I, I, I think I have seen that though before, but. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like pepper bologna. Yep, that's what it is. It's a better answer than cheese. <laughs> Who was it that said cheese? Carolina that was Delirious Trump. Angler. That was like yeah. Alex's third or fourth episode. We got cheese out yeah. of it. So I'm we've had we've had mine. some we've had some really good, some really weird. At one point, Alex was going to take the weird stuff. If somebody said the weird stuff, he was going to go find it and try it and ate it. And I think he did liverwurst. And somebody mm. said liverwurst, and he tried liverwurst sandwich, and um, that was the last time that he did that challenge. So that's why he, he's not here tonight because he ate fucking liverwurst. Yeah, no, probably not liverwurst. I'm not sure what he ate, but you know, whatever it did, it, it hurt his it hurt his little short ass tummy. Well, look, guys, this was awesome. This was great. This is a chance here where uh, you know, Shab, we'll stop with you if you got any sponsors or anybody, family, friends, anybody you want to holler at that that makes fishing fun for you, allows you to do it. Go ahead now. Yeah, I'd like to 
thank the guys from uh, that fish the Muskingum lakes up here, the watershed lakes. I've learned a lot off of them fishing against them, what not to do and what to do. These stuff in there, uh, so, you know, that's really the shout out to the to local guys and, and grandpa and dad for uh, teaching me how to fish. And that's pretty much it there. But I, I will give one final bit of advice to anybody that wants to co-angler. Biggest piece of advice. If you find a woman that will go with you and, uh, to the tournament, it makes things a lot better. Because you always got somebody to come back to the hotel room with. And if you can find you a woman that likes fishing and hunting, your days will be a lot better if they like hmm. fishing and hunting. So find you a good, a good country woman, because then, you know, they're going to encourage you to go fish those tournaments and go spend that money when you know you ain't making it back. Find you a woman. That- <laughs> this, That's a good piece of true. advice. That is true, because anytime that camping trip comes up every year, he's always trying to back out. So I'll just text Ange and be like, hey, when are we doing this camping trip? So that is true. Y'all need to get him one of those. absolutely true. Y'all need to get him one of those blow-up tents with the blow-up couches and the blow-up bed and the blow-up coffee table. No tent. <laughs> I got all that. He still don't want to stay in no tent. <laughs> he still don't want to stay in a tent. We stayed in the last time, in the tent the last time. That's where I puked up all that uh, whiskey everywhere, all inside that tent. That's why I don't oh, stay in tents shit. that much anymore. Oh, yeah. I, you... I threw up in the tent, too. Y'all, what the fuck? Y'all throwing up in yeah. the tent? Yeah. That's, that, you but know what? That tent that tent we... gets broke down, rolled up, and thrown in the fucking trash. You... That's where uh-uh. you're, nope, nope. That's where your good woman comes in, right there. My wife will clean that up. Oh, Lord. That's where your good woman comes in, right there, is when you puke in a tent after a full bottle of double oak Woodford. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I can never sleep in that tent again because the smell of puke never goes away. It's terrible. <laughs> Jumpmaster, who you got? You got anybody you want to shout out before we head uh, on up out of here? Me and absolutely just me. No, uh, everybody on TikTok that spends the time on the bass and brews page commenting what you want to see next i know i'm only on there to troll you guys or it looks <laughs> like i'm only on there to troll you guys but i do read them comments that's why we reached out and got some co-anglers on here um bite me baits of kentucky make some great jigs uh and other than that my wife brandy all the kids uh and that's it for me all right. Well, we should appreciate y'all coming on. This was a good time. Got some good insights on co-angling. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm curious to see, especially on the elite side, uh, how it goes with that because I think they got 170. I think I thought I heard 100 and oh, something yeah. of people that signed up for all nine, uh, which is amazing. So I'm 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 glad to see. Hopefully, some folks that are listening to this that are going to do out and do some co-angling. You pick something up you can use for it. Well, this was Bass and Brews Podcast, your weekly distraction from quality podcast content. And we'll see y'all next time. Hey-oh!